This just in. Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly look at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. And sometimes the bottom 100 as well. I'm Darren. And I'm Andrew. And this week we're going to be talking about Slenderman, the 2018 horror film. But we're also, before we jump into talking about that, one of the latest entries on the bottom 100, uh, we're going to do a little bit of sort of housekeeping here. Because Andrew, do you know it's highly how- irregular. It is indeed. It's very much off book. Do you know when the last time it was just the two of us on this podcast? Just the two of us. Building castles in the sky. Just the two of us. You and I. You and I. Yeah. Andrew was always a much better bass than I was. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so do you know how long it's been since it's just been the two of us without any guess whatsoever? Don't take a guess. When this podcast is released, when this is getting beamed into listeners' ears, how long it will have been since they've heard just your dulcet tones and my smooth voice discussing cinema? Well, it couldn't have been this time last year. Um, <laughs> no. It, it must have been at some point between then and now i feel like it was one of those ones maybe where we had a guest and then the guest left (laughs) as uh, like bts that's (laughs) what happened today um so (laughs) they were like thanks for the movie oh we're gonna record another one now it's nope (laughs) (laughs) we're out of here it's slender man yeah still definitely not (laughs) no um so the last time that it was just the two of us with any guests was three months ago Three months. So we've had a solid Goodness. 12 weeks of us. Awesome. That's coming out next year at some point. <laughs> um, no, or, no. It or would... by, no, what I, what I mean to say is last year at some point. <laughs> yeah. um, How does this work? But yes, yeah, so um, what we normally do is we had our big anniversary special about a month ago. And what we normally do is we take the opportunity of the first sort of new one that we record after that, where it's just the two of us, to sort of ask the four questions of ourselves, because when we do the anniversary special, we think it's, it's important all about for the guests. It, it is all about the guests, because oh, the guests are thanking fantastic. them, showing our appreciation. I do always forget to actually <laughs> thank them, even that, <laughs> though that's the whole purpose of, ha- of, of, of like having having them there. the of having the anniversary yeah. special. Is like because it is like we we joke on the podcast, but it's, it's entirely true. Is that like the whole point of of having guests on is that myself and Andrew should be the least interesting people in the room. So when we have a room full of them, we like to sort of give it over to them. And, and it's not difficult. <laughs> no, it's, it's really not <laughs> difficult from our point. More interesting. more interesting than us. Yeah. Um, but yes, so we, when we ask the four questions and we sort of jumpstart that discussion, we don't really answer them ourselves. So we take the opportunity when we're, you know, recording by ourselves, you know, all by ourselves, um, because apparently it's that kind of podcast. We ask those questions of ourselves. Young, I never needed anyone. Making love was just for fun, Andrew. Um, but those yeah. days are gone. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we... This we... is going to be like... Um, uh, they, I, I listen to Comedy Bang Bang, and whenever they do solo bolos, where it's just him and, and uh, Ben Schwartz, they just end up singing for most of it. Uh, it's not a bad plan. Um, it's <laughs> ironic given that we recently recorded um, an episode about a musical which involved less singing than this. Um, <laughs> but more to the point, so we asked the, the four questions about the oh, list. Oh yes, the point. Yeah, the point. Um, or even like the point tangential to the point, because we're going to talk about Slenderman at some point in this episode. But before we do, we like... Because it's our anniversary, we're two years old. We've been doing this for two years now. Yeah. And it only feels much longer. Um, no, it, it's actually been great fun. I've really, really enjoyed this. This has been... S- still not allowed choking hazards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next year, baby. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be fully masticating. Um, but we sort of take stock of the year that's been and sort of like 
where the podcast is and where the list itself is, the new entries coming in, the things that have changed. So we asked sort of four questions around that. And the first one is, and I'll, I'll ask Andrew and then Andrew can ask me. First question is like, of the new entries on the list this year, which one of them was your favorite? Like of the, of the episodes that we've done as new entries or even some of the stuff we haven't got round to yet, which episodes are your favorite? I'm glad I'm glad the question is, which is my favorite? Um, is Thor Ragnarok. Um, I thought it was delightful. I thought it was funny. I thought it was it it worked very well dramatically. It 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 took the character to a place that we hadn't seen him before. I think it's the movie that Chris Hemsworth wanted, and it it's it really kind of locked in my 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 interest with that character. I think um, and it's I, just I, fun. It's so fun. It's so much fun, and and uh, I love uh, I love Taika Waititi. Yeah, of his movies, I really enjoyed um, Hunt for the Wilder People. Yes, I'd really like to see um, what we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows. Yes. Oh, uh, I haven't seen that either. Actually, so we may Could arrange be a Mooney movie madness. A Mooney movie madness. I feel like we need. we have a few um, Oscar hopefuls that um, I haven't seen yet. That that. That were perhaps in the kind of movie movie madness um, kind of frame of reference. Yeah, yeah. I think we were going to watch Shape of Water at some point. Um, <laughs> also, haven't seen Lady Bird. Okay, we should get on that. Um, we should not. We should just watch movies and not record podcasts for them. That's what <laughs> I'm getting from this. Um, but yes, yeah, so I know. I my own choice is kind of interesting because this year it's kind of funny. Um, last year we had something like 18 new entries uh, right. coming on in our first year recording. I, I had this idea that I think, I think like I had this idea, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't a very good Oscar season this year for, for the 250 as opposed to last year. And that wasn't it actually. <laughs> it was just that a lot of the, the um, contenders didn't get in. Yeah. They, that, as in like um, we, we did four of the best picture um, nominees for 2018 and we only did one more for 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 2017 but the, di- the difference is that for 2017 that's it stuff like that the yeah. difference is like two of those were one of those was get out and dunkirk so we did yeah. two of those in 2017 exactly um and it's also the fact that when we did the the oscar nominees for 2017 we managed to hit all five of the best picture nominees yeah our best director nominees apologies um so we got like a big spectrum of the conversation whereas this year we completely missed out on stuff as you point out like ladybird but also phantom thread yeah. i suspect we're going to circle back around to these when we get to the second question but yeah so this year we had a much smaller pool of new entries to draw from which was good on the one hand because it meant that you know we got to actually do stuff like talk about films that have been on the list for a while and kind of get down the number of films that we're going to cover on this podcast to cover the 125 (laughs) yeah that have actually been there since the dawn of time um or 1996 as we like to call it but so we had a much smaller pool of entries this year, which is interesting, which makes this choice a little bit tough for me because, like, I am the only person, I think, who's been on this podcast who liked Three Billboards, who really loved Three Billboards. I was kind of tempted, maybe I'll go with that. I was thinking, like, Thor Ragnarok was a major contender as well because I yeah, adored cause, Thor Ragnarok. Because uh, Jay doesn't like it. I don't uh, like it. Grace doesn't like it. Stacy, who was on the episode, really didn't like it. Luke doesn't like it. Like, Ronan hates it. So pretty much everybody who's pulled through here, Joe, um, who was also on Heat, also loathes it with a passion. Phil hates it. 
I've had people who've listened, people I know who's who've listened to the podcast who've been like, "Oh, I'm re- I'm disappointed you didn't like uh, Three Billboards." Yeah. So Darren is your champion, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Um, but no more seriously than that, though. Um, I I did let's get serious. I let's get serious for a moment. No, I did consider that, but I sort of I said no because I feel like. It's it's interesting. That's perhaps the least interesting Best Picture nominee that could have placed on here. And I was tempted to go with Thor Ragnarok, as you mentioned, because that is just great fun from beginning to end. Like, it's just a joyous fun ride. I feel like I know what you're going to go for. Do you know what I'm going to go for? Possibly. Is it going to be Infinity War? No. Oh, Dear God. goodness, no. I was worried. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Did you, were you, not, you were on that episode I with know, me, right? Yeah, I you like, had this kind of like... I feel like you had you had uh, like found some level of appreciation that oh. had maybe grown in <laughs> over time, yeah. and I, I do appreciate Infinity War as like a work of corporate synergy. Yeah, like I think we described it as product. It's a fantastic piece of product, which I, admittedly all movies are, but very few movies are as transparent. Up your stream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we're refining the paradigm, baby. Um, no, I'd probably go with Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, I, I adored it. It's the movie I've seen most this year. I've seen it five times already. It's going to be the Mooney family Christmas movie for anybody who's keeping track of such things online. They hear it's a big Oscar indicator going forward. Um, there, there, is there, there is a website, right? For, <laughs> <laughs> um, to keep track of all of these things. As they happen. Um, it may be my own website, but uh, my Twitter feed basically is where this happens. But yeah, so that will be sort of my pick. And it's probably, it is my favourite of the new entries, if only because it's a really good film at doing what it's doing. And there are very few, like the list tends to be dominated by, and this is a franchise film, this is a modern blockbuster, but it's a very simple blockbuster by the standards of modern blockbusters in that it's interested in scale, spectacle, cinema as a, as a communal experience rather than being tied to stuff like continuity or tied to stuff like an existing, you know, sort of franchise. It's not like every other Mission Impossible film made the list and this, fine, you know, kind of came on that. This is just a thrill ride from beginning to end. It's pure cinematic sort of like action adventure a, B, C. It's very simple storytelling. A, but it B, C, D, E, <laughs> Thank you for that, F, Nick. G, H. We did say it was just myself and Andrew, but Nicolas Cage, we just couldn't <laughs> say no when he said he wanted to be on the podcast. But yeah, so now the second question, which is like, if you were to pick a film that you saw this year, and it doesn't have to be necessarily from this year, but that you saw for the first time this year, that you would place on the list, what would it be and why, Andrew? In the last 12 months, yep, um, that's exactly. I'd say Phantom Thread. Phantom Tread. I, I I liked it an awful lot. Um, I had people that I knew kind of like uh, texting me, asking me if I had seen it. I was like, no, I haven't seen it, but it does look good. I'd seen the trailer and I went along to see it. Fantastic. Daniel Day-Lewis, brilliant. I'm blanking on... Victoria it. Cripps, is it? No. Victoria Cripps. Yes. Do we have to go to the fact machine? Will we go to the fact machine and check? To the fact machine. <laughs> <laughs> This my favorite. <laughs> Don't even know that. Uh, in fairness, I have not seen it five times. And we're back from the fact machine. And it's Vicky Cripps. So yeah, um, I thought she was fantastic in it. I really enjoyed the um, kind of weird honesty of 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 that relationship, and I thought the music was fantastic. Obviously, the costume. It. it it just it I, I I just really enjoyed kind of being in that um 
sort of world a bit, even though even though it was, it was like it kind of had a dark edge. Oh yeah, but I I, re- I really um I really loved it. Yeah, it was great. It should be noted that like this is the thing. Phantom Thread, when we asked our guests, was one of those always a bridesmaids, never a bride answers to this question. Yeah, because I think Carl wanted answered, to give it some love. Yeah, Carl was like, I want to say Phantom Thread, but I'm going with Game Night. And Charlene was like, I want to say Phantom Thread, but I'm going with Mandy. So I'm glad that Phantom Thread finally got its moment in the sun. Yes. Um, And if I were to pick one, I would probably go with Sorry to Bother You, uh, which is the Boots Riley film uh, that was released. It's been sort of... It's just about being released now, isn't it? In the UK and Ireland? In the UK, I saw uh, posters for it. Yeah, in the UK and Ireland, it'll be out in December, but it's been out in the States since like um, June, July. Um, It's one of those films that had a very staggered release. Boots Riley famously had difficulty getting international distribution for it, which is a shame because it's a really good film. It's playful. It's and it, I actually reckon you'd quite like it. It's very much like a Paul Verhoeven style social satire. Oh, um, in that it's this very broad comedy about capitalism. We talked a bit in the podcast before about, about like, how they don't make those movies. Yeah, you and I the- guess when they do make those <laughs> movies, they don't get distributed. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, uh, I hope it's twelves, <laughs> so everybody can go see it. Yeah, yeah no, it, this is this is an R-rated film. Good, um, and it's it's not enough of those bonkers. Um, it is completely bonkers. I. Have seen it twice now. I'm still not entirely sure what I make of a certain last act development, but it's completely off the wall and I love it and it's crazy and it's all over the shop and it's got these big ideas and this sort of like wonderful, like metaphorical sort of exploration of like capitalism and human labor and how that works and how it ties into all sorts of other things. Amplified up a hundred through the prism of comedy with like voices from Patton Oswald and David Cross dubbed over people like Lakeith Stanfield and Donald Glover. It's, it's demented, insane and, and kind of ingenious. I really, really adored it. And I would absolutely love for it to have made the list. Um, it, it didn't, unfortunately. Um, it is perhaps a bit odd. We talked about how Robocop, barring that like one time it was in and at number one for, I think, a matter of minutes. Yes. Um, outside that one incident, like Verhoeven hasn't got a lot of love on the 250. And these sorts of broad, like confrontational, aggressively weird movies don't generally get to do that, even though they're sort of otherwise right in the this wheelhouse. It's very poppy. It's very energetic. It's very goofy. It's very like, you know. The problem with Verhoeven is that people can't decide between Robocop, Total Recall and Showgirls. <laughs> yeah, those <laughs> like, are the big three. Which one do they want to kind of, and just and split push. the vote. Yep, yeah, that's it exactly. Um, so then I guess the, the question then is we're going to talk about the bottom 100, which changed a great deal. Massive sort of update around about June-ish where they completely changed it to change it to make it films that people have seen. And it's fascinating because since they did that, we've had a lot more interest in people talking about terrible movies on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, the, the um, I think as, <laughs> as, as a subset of our, of our podcast, I, I, I think there are less people <laughs> want to listen to the ones about terrible movies, but, but we're still going to do it. <laughs> because um, more people want to talk about them. Yeah. Um, well, also, it, it helps. Yeah, there these... are a lot of guests want to come <laughs> and talk shout about... into the void. <laughs> yeah, and howl, howl against the wilderness and talk about how great The Room is. Um, and yeah, The Room is, I'm half tempted to suggest The Room should be like our third anniversary episode. We just have like an entire panel of people in a pub talking about The Room. Yeah. Because um, it feels like it'll be unfair to some of our guests otherwise. 
But um, yeah, so, so we so they don't have to have their opinions <laughs> in their pockets. <laughs> but uh, so here's the here's the thing: we asked two questions about the list. First one is: if you had a guilty pleasure from the list, what film would that be? Well, I, I like looking through the list. I thought like. As a child, it would definitely be be barbed wire because <laughs> Pam, Pamela Anderson was in it. I, <laughs> like it was a very obvious kind of like sex symbol for a boy growing up in the in the nineteen nineties. This doesn't. That's actually in hindsight doesn't like, surprise me that this was like Andrew's immediate. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. It's like tits. Well, the film very on brand. Um, like you know, it's a remake of Casablanca, as Carl pointed out. But that wow. yeah, and it. And it's got boobs in it. Yeah. Um, what's not to love here? And I, I mean, obviously, a a um, I I I thought about I thought about giving kind of a special mention to barbed wire and saying, but of course, it's the room. But it, it, probably fair to give a special mention to the room and let it be barbed let, wire. Let it be barbed wire <laughs> yeah. uh, because who else is going to admit to that? Um, <laughs> Carl did, I think, or Tony. Oh, excellent! It was it was either Carl or Tony's pick for their their sort of like most enjoyable pleasure on the bottom one hundred. They did argue it was a remake of Casablanca and therefore should be considered on those yeah, that's terms. That's why I think it should be in this one. <laughs> um, in terms of my own guilty pleasure, uh, Street Fighter. Um, easy. There, there was not even anything close. And Andrew's like, yeah, there are certain episodes of the podcast, and you're about to listen to one where one of the two co-hosts is more pushing for that episode to happen than the other one. And it may be the case with this episode you're about to listen to, and it will certainly be the case with Street Fighter. I have spent the past. Well, I wanted to watch Street Fighter. We had an opportunity recently. We did with some of our guests, our our our, our frequent guests. We we we. And it would have been a nice themed evening as well. Yeah. Actually. Should we go? Should 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 we tell the listeners? We. Um, <laughs> I feel like we could tease them, and because I feel like that opportunity may come up again sometime soon. It might. It might. But we had a fight night. We did have a fight night, and felt like Street Fighter would have been great for that. But Street Fighter, I mean, Luke picked it on on the podcast, and you should go back and listen to it because he makes an argument that's very similar to the argument that I'm going to make, which is that it's Raul Julia having the time of his life and connecting with his kids, having been diagnosed with cancer, wanting to A, earn a massive paycheck to provide for them, B, take a role where his research would consist of playing video games with his kids, like in his last couple of months on Earth, which is astounding. And C, taking the role... Like, I don't want to say entirely seriously, because he's well aware of what he's doing, but treating it with more respect than a lot of the other performers in the film treat their roles, in that he's clearly looked at the film, figured out exactly what it is, and knows where to pitch his performance. Like, the film itself is... I have a lot of fun with Street Fighter, despite the whole Jean-Claude Van Damme as an American hero named Guile. Um, despite the fact that he's leading UN troops. It could just be from Belgium. Why can't he just be from Belgium? This guy isn't from Belgium. <laughs> Continuity, people. Um, yeah, and, and Jean-Claude Van Damme frequently doesn't play... <laughs> Belgians. Fr- uh, Belgians. He frequently plays... Um, Frenchmen. Fr- uh, well, Americans, too. That's fair. In Bloodsport, isn't he uh, uh, playing an actual kind of... Uh, American or is that Kickboxer? I think they're, that, they're pretty much the same they movie, are pretty right? Much, one of them has Roger Moore in them, though. Yeah, no. Uh, is it? Uh, I it was, no, it's not Bloodsport. You're right. There's there is one that I'm thinking of a different one. 
I am thinking of it. This You're thinking of the quest. Yes, I am thinking of the quest. Sorry, I got <laughs> Which my. Which is also off. the same movie. <laughs> <It's indeed. laughs> um, Almost as if there were a template for these. The, yeah, where 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 he plays an an actual real life Guile. Um, <laughs> I think he was some sort of. Um, he's one of these Walter Mitty characters. Oh, who just sort of wandered the world and sort of yeah, sort of where, pursued his dream. Yeah, there there is like all of these stories about like his his martial arts records and his record in the army, which is and. <laughs> There's a kind of like a controversy over How to what extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the movie, it shows you that, uh, like the character Jean-Claude Van Damme played went on um, to have an undefeated record of 756 kickboxing <laughs> <laughs> fights. And it's like, um, yeah, I mean, that, maybe that's maybe that's not like the unbelievable thing about that is not that somebody could have 756 um, kind of undefeated in in kickboxing because because there's those Thai kickboxers do lots of kickboxing yeah. like they 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 do go up to like into the hundreds but yeah anyway sorry it would probably be one of them <laughs> but yeah so Street Fighter is that Raul Julia movie and it's also a Jean Claude Van Damme martial arts movie what's not to love here people and it's a terrible nineties video game and, movie and it's and going going um relating to barbed wire but to another piece of anatomy it's where uh jean claude oh. van damme taught kylie um, minogue, kylie minogue uh, how to get the perfect butt how to crack a walnut quite yeah quite literally so um, they 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 were they were having uh, an affair yes although to be fair in his interviews and, and jean claude van damme's interviews are amazing we should probably talk about this more when we actually get to that. I love that we're, we're turning <laughs> this into the Street Fighter episode. But Jean-Claude Van Damme's interviews are amazing. There's a wonderful one he did with The Guardian where he's talking about how, you know, you have to be quick enough so that death can't catch you um, and that sort of stuff. And also how, like, you need to turn your palms. So if you put your arms straight and you turn your palms outwards, um, it helps with the flow of your blood. Try it there in front of you, he says the interviewer and all that sort of stuff. Um, but there's also, like, the interview where he's asked about it, what he was doing with Kylie. That stuff's not that bogus. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've tried some of that kind of new agey uh, kind of things. And you it genuinely do get that kind of, like, sense from doing things that it's doing something. Something. I mean, whether 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 that <laughs> means it's not bogus yeah. or, or or not is another question. But yeah, I, w- I wouldn't dis- dismiss it outright. But uh, there's a Van Damme aside interview- from homeopathy. That's both. <laughs> Sorry, but go on there's ahead. A, there's a Van Damme interview where he's asked about whether or not he was sleeping with Kylie Minogue while right. they were making Street Fighter, and his response is, "I did show her my Thailand." Um, and you're like, "That's." Kind of both sleazy and classy at the same time. I don't know how it is, but well played, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Well played. Apparently he was doing his exercises and he was like lying flat on his back and then lifting everything but his butt <laughs> off the ground <laughs> using his butt. <laughs> so like a full press up yeah. with his butt. So think and about that next time you watch the spinning around out. video. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where that came from. Thank you, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And then finally, the final question, which is if you had to pick a film on the bottom 100 that you think doesn't deserve to be there, what would you pick and why? Well, I don't know if I'd... <laughs> I don't know if I'd say it doesn't deserve to be there, but I I would say, like, one that I... One that I genuinely like... Not not Super Mario Brothers, because... It's 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 just too far from being good. <laughs> it's, 
I like that. I like that you're, uh, you're like it's not bad. I'm not but like it's bad. it would mean a lot to me because the Super Mario Brothers, and also it's crazy, and it's good to have like yeah. crazy movies. Yeah. But um, just because RoboCop Three um has RoboCop in it, um, and there's also some great stuff. There, there's um, there's a uh, 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 uh robot uh, samurais with katanas. Um, there, there's, there's, there's lots of uh, Japanese uh, corporate fear. That's um, exactly. We talked, we talked about this in the podcast. Actually, we're talking about stuff like Die Hard. I think it was. Yeah. Where you had that eighties fear about like Japan sort of coming over and taking over America that you see a lot of in the work of Frank Miller. Frank Miller wrote RoboCop two, right? Not three. Um. Yes, and I think Irvin Kershner um, directed, directed it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's, so it's, I think it's... Director it's, of sequels. <laughs> yeah. Some of which are great, some of which are less great. I don't know. I, I kind of, like, I'm, I'm like, obviously, um, Robocop 3 is the worst of the trilogy, and the best is obviously Robocop. Robocop yeah. It's not one of those ones where the sequel is <laughs> better. better. But the Irvin Kirshner Robocop 2... I I quite enjoyed that. There 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 are it's very dark and uh, very kind of like a, a, a grim and kind of nihilistic in 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 a way that the that the first one isn't quite. So interesting. Um, I I haven't seen like this all, in years. All, I would... all, all three are I I think they all have the uh, what should we call it. The kind of interstitial kind of satires with oh, the yeah. advertisements and and, and yeah, and then news um, kind of segments as yeah. well. I think where the the third one falls down in is having the character, the uh, young girl who is kind of um, makes it kind of more of a kids movie. Did the second although, one have the kid as well? If I it had a kid, but he was uh, effed up, and I I thought that was a great performance. In the second one, you'd know you'd know the actor from Star Trek: Next Generation. Oh, he's one of those kids. Yeah, nice. Um, but um, I think um, what's his face? A few people actually. I think Leonard Maltin and I think what are the two guys? Siskel and, and Ebert didn't like it. The second one because they thought like putting a kid in a movie was was Poor was days. a way to sell the the movie to kids, like for yeah. toys and that. I think the third movie was definitely a movie. About kind of like selling toys. Oh yeah, well this is around the time you had you had RoboCop animated series. Yeah, yeah. So, but 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 I don't think the second movie was as much about that because I think it's far too dark to (laughs) um, to uh, appeal to kids. I think the third one was much more um, much closer to being a kind of like a PG twelve sort of a sort of a thing. But I mean, it definitely had its moments. As well, the 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 third one, and it had Robocop, even though it didn't have Peter Weller, which is a, a yeah. big disappointment. But yeah, it 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 has Robocop and has a lot of the elements that make Robocop great. Therefore, um, and and it has other elements which kind of uh, take away from its majesty too. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, we're we're not we're not arguing that it belongs on the top one hundred. No, we're, we're we're saying that you know it doesn't belong in the bottom one hundred. And it's my favorite. Aww. Like if I were going to watch any any on movie out of it. it, it like it could possibly be the 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 room as well, but I but I like the room because it's so bad it's good. Yeah. I like Robocop because it's it's, it's Robocop. actually good. Yeah. yeah. Um, for my own choice, I'm gonna go with the controversial one. I'm gonna go with Batman and Robin. 
Um, and there's, again, Alex, I think, mentioned this, and there's there's a lot in Alex's argument that I agree with, and I'd probably go a little bit further, in that, like, a lot of the comic book movies on the bottom 100 are there, and we're talking about films like, say, Catwoman's there, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace is there, to pick another example. I, Electra, I think, I narrowly... I see that? What? I, not, I didn't see Superman 4. Yeah, The Quest for Peace is on there. Oh. Um, and, and they're there because... They rile certain things in comic book fandom and comic book movie fandom in a way that is not necessarily flattering in that they they seem to be like the this is a sort of a segment of Internet people who think the worst thing you can be is unfaithful to the material. And like Batman and Robin is not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But it is a movie that is completely cognizant of exactly what it is doing why it is doing and how it is doing what it's doing in that like i'm a guy who loves terrible puns so this is immediately going to get a pass from me because it commits spectacularly to the terrible terrible puns it's got a horrible sense of humor but it keeps going with it 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 knows that it's campy it knows that it's silly it knows that you're not supposed to take it seriously and you don't and that's you know while not good hey darren chill out <laughs> you're not sending me to the cooler um, nice to meet you <laughs> What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. That's and, and A, not a, true, and B, not wordplay. It had but, a it had a big uh, impact on Arnold Schwarzenegger's th- Arnold Schwarzenegger's thinking about um, climate, change. climate change. It yeah. did. It made a massive impact. And I think is a, a, a Republican who believes <laughs> in climate change. And we can credit all that to Batman and Robin. Yeah. But here's the thing. I don't even think like if you had to put a movie starring Batman on the bottom one hundred. It should be... You think it should be Batman Forever? That would be one of them, yes. I would suggest it should be Batman Forever or it should be Justice League. And those are not going to make the list. Justice League looks terrible. Justice League is one of the worst movies I, I have I ever seen. I wouldn't want it on the bottom 100 because then we'd have to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Graham. Um, but it, it is <laughs> hey, Justice Graham. Like, I'm not sorry. We we, we watched Batman versus Superman and um, Man of Steel Steel because of how much we like it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I I, I would put, uh, like, I would say it's more important if you're recognizing bad comic book movies that you acknowledge that Batman Forever is bad despite the fact that it tries to be serious or that you acknowledge that Justice League is bad. It tries Just, to be serious? Batman Forever. Yeah, Batman Forever. Oh, sorry. Whole... Ba- uh, I thought you were saying Just... Batman versus... Uh, ba- ba- Justice uh, League. Batman and Robin. Oh, no, no, no. Batman and Robin doesn't try to be serious. And that's why I think people hate it so much. It's because it's aware of how campy it is. Batman Forever is just as bad in all the same ways, but it takes itself seriously. And so I think it gets a it little parts. bit of... parts. I think it's also quite campy. It is campy. But it also, at the same time, tries to do this subplot about, like, Bruce Wayne coming to terms with, like, being Batman. I'm not Batman because I have to be. I'm Batman because I choose to be. And all this sort of pretentious-y, nonsense stuff, which works quite well if you take it seriously and do it well, like you do in the Nolan films. Or even, like, Burton kind of does a little bit, or the animated yeah, series does. Like, like Bur- Burton movies are also quite kind of silly in a yeah. way in a way that the Nolan ones aren't. Yeah. But they're also very serious. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of pathos in yeah. them, and I think that the, I think Batman so Forever does possible pull that, to, yeah, to to to, to do that. Maybe, to... maybe not as much in the Schumacher ones. Yeah, that's it exactly. I think Forever they, they veer more, and I think they want to get to um, like the Batman <laughs> and Robin. 
But I think I preferred Batman Forever because I didn't want it to go <laughs> to Batman oh, and Robin. Yeah. I, I felt like there were still semblances <laughs> of, the, of, of the Burton films like yeah. hanging around. Uh, whereas I, I like Batman and Robin because it knows. I don't like it, but I I respect it um, because it knows what it is. Because it made the Nolan movies possible. It did indeed. Um, this is a deterministic approach to filmmaking. Yeah, it's, it's Darren's like, like this movie let's got take us. it too far in one direction. <laughs> yeah. So we have to counter correct in the other. I like this. It's the teleological approach to movie making. It's like Batman and Robin doesn't belong on the list because it got us Batman Begins, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. I think you just made my point. Um, but yes, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the movie that we're actually here to talk about today, which is Slender Man, which is a new entry on the bottom 100. It came in... I feel uh, like uh, Justice League is going to be rehabilitated. Which is in, terrifying, in, in, in your eyes for you once you see that it, it necessitated <laughs> a, a, really a new um, kind of uh, uh, series of better movies. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Do you see who is this like, two crap? Yeah. Sorry. Let's let's try and make one less crap. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's, go, let's go ahead and make one that's not crap at all. And they're like, whoa, hey, Dave, you know what you're saying, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, let's talk about Slenderman, because this is interesting, because I have been sort of pushing for this. This is one of the things where, like... Andrew feels like I don't I, know why I agreed to it. I know I feel I, I feel almost guilty about this because I just dragged you along for the ride. I'm so I'm so used to getting a text from you that say, that suggests something and me texting back to say, Grand, sure, why not? Yeah. Sure, yeah, cool. <laughs> like one word <laughs> where you've this made is... like a, a lengthy argument as to why like this is important to yeah. do, and I've just been like, sure, fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm busy doing stuff that isn't watching movies. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so this is this is like, and again, I am sorry, Andrew. I apologize entirely before we talk about the movie. But this is something that I've been interested in, and like, right, because it's award season, and because I don't really have time to watch movies that aren't this like is given to you for consideration. Clearly, um, but like because I need an excuse to watch this, I was like, Vanderbilt, send you an email. <laughs> Yes, yeah, saying, will you take a look at this, please? Um, I need like, to... are you also doing promo for this? <laughs> I have some questions I'd like to ask. Um... <laughs> his his profile is just him crying. <laughs> it's like, where, <laughs> like oh, that meme. I should have invested my money better. Um, but here's here's the thing: is that like I am absolutely f- this is one, and we talked about this in the podcast before, where there are things. That Darren... It's such a shame because Dawson really likes Spielberg <laughs> yeah. as well. Oh, and you're like, if only you were a competent filmmaker. I'm not sure it's James Vanderbeek. I think it's James Vandervelt. Oh, okay. <laughs> Completely different person. I'm sorry, James Vanderbeek. I will never doubt you again. <laughs> James um... Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In, 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 I, I suppose uh, like minor produ- or, or major producers, perhaps, um, don't need to change your names for Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. One particularly don't, or directors they, like Steve McQueen is like no I'm just going to keep this yeah um, yeah that's that's it with Widows where it's like I already saw a great Steve McQueen heist movie it was called the uh, Thomas Crown Affair um, go see Widows but anyway my but the thing about the the Slenderman is what and why I wanted to sort of see it is a because it's a terrible movie and Darren's inherently fascinated by terrible movies they exert a gravity that I'm kind of drawn towards. But the second one is that, like, when we talked this in the podcast before, and I think you've remarked on this, where there's a strange kind of, like, almost voyeuristic aspect to things that Darren's interested in. Where Darren, where I sort of have this fascination 
with like concepts and ideas and subcultures that I'd never actually go and emerge myself in. I'd never sort of actually participate in. But I enjoy watching and discussing and thinking about... It's a scary place, Darren. Why would I venture outside my door? Um, And sort of, so I have these like subcultures that I find deeply, deeply fascinating. And I kind of like picking at it, like poking at it, like sort of thinking about. And like the emergence of creepypasta on the internet is one of those. The sort of culture that kind of... Creepy pasta. I mean, okay, cool. This is great. I, I love that. I love that Andrew doesn't know what this is, so I can sound like I am not cool at all. Can sound like I'm down with the kids and I know what I'm talking about. But yeah, creepy pasta is derived from copy paste, and the idea is that. What, sorry, what's the first thing? <laughs> <laughs> Let's break this down. Um, so on copy the, paste. Copy paste. So when you highlight a bit of text and you copy it and you paste it into another messenger. Right. So for example, um, when you're sending an email or when you're posting on a forum or whatever. The idea of copy paste, you know, so you you copy something and you paste it and it spreads like wildfire. And so it can get threaded, it can get spread, it can get shared. You can paste it to Reddit, you can paste it to something awful, to 4chan. You can send it even on Twitter on a link, on on LiveJournal, on your blog or whatever. You just highlight the text, control C, control V, and it spreads like that. That's it exactly. That's where most of my content comes from. Nobody's noticed yet. Um, but yeah, so you can do that and you can sort of like... It's... What do your staff at the movie blog think about that? <laughs> the intern has some ideas, but I just send them out to get coffee. And okay. I promise I'll pay him next month. Um, it's like, but Darren doesn't drink coffee. <laughs> it's like, shut up and get me some coffee. I want to throw it in your face. Um, no, I don't have an intern. I also don't drink coffee. So this is not a... It's a very flawed picture I'm painting here. But the idea is I find this culture on the internet absolutely fascinating where you have this emergence of like an internet folklore. And it's kind of fascinating because there's um, it's there's a doctor, Professor Petit, in the University of Southern Denmark has described it as the second orality, which is the idea that in the internet age, right? So you had the idea that in the old days in like... <laughs> <laughs> like you you're watching like you're like um Ren in this movie. You went in a I've hole. Gone too deep. You're talking com- I But yeah, so the idea was that like Okay, sorry, continue. Before the Gutenberg press, folklore was spread orally and it was spread very quickly and it was tangible and it was fungible and you could change details and you could hear a story take it, make it your own and spread it to somebody else. And that's the way that stories used to spread before the Gutenberg Press, right? Then the Gutenberg Press arrived and you had the idea of books. And books, like, which were set up by publishing houses, became like a sort of a gatekeeper sort of thing where you had, like, ideas that made it into print were A, you know, the ideas that made it through, like, editorial, that made it, you know, that were designed to sell, so they were very curated ideas. And they were also, like, written down so they couldn't be changed. And that, like, if I got a copy of a Charles Dickens novel, it was generally the exact same text that you would get if you got a copy of the Charles Dickens novel, right? So the idea was that these things became fixed. So you lost a lot of the fluidity of storytelling that you would have had before printing presses and before books and stuff. There there was a very good um, Dickens joke on Kermode and Mayo. (laughs) That I, I'll 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 repeat just to get people to listen to more Kermode Mayo. Uh, Dickens' Tale of Two Cities was syndicated in two English uh, regional newspapers, the the Bisto Times and the Worcester Times. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. 
Um, but yeah, so you had this idea, like, once the, once the printing press came about, it sort of codified ideas and set them down and set rigid boundaries. And what you've had in the age of the internet is you've had this breaking down of this sort of structure of, like, gatekeeping and, like, rigorous codification of knowledge. And now it's possible for ideas to spread online without a sort of a centralized source or idea. And this is something that you see in like news circles where people get their own news information from wildly divergent sources where people are, that's exactly fake news, alternative facts, where people are sharing like memes and stuff. Like I I, I have like a, a, a friend on Facebook from um, the Philippines who shares um, pro uh, Duterte kind of uh, fake news uh, things. And when, when I say friend, uh, like uh, 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 an acquaintance you know that I used to, used, to, used to work with. But it's crazy. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're actually kind of hilarious because it's generally like, like the, the, the story that I commented on, just to, say, just to kind of point out, like this isn't... <laughs> This isn't, isn't a, reality. Uh, yeah, but it, it was about how the Queen, who was going to um, Catalonia to comment about the um, kind of uh, separatism in um, uh, and to, 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 to kind of speak to some of the, which is not something that the Queen ever does. Yeah. Like she <laughs> does not get involved in politics. But what she was saying is that um, she was encouraged by Trump who who um who could learn a thing or two from uh, Duterte? This <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II. Yes, talking a, about the, the Queen of England. B yeah. doesn't do these sorts of things. Talking about Trump, who is the president of the United States, which is a different country entirely. Yeah, yeah. Like and again, like this is the thing you have. This... And it was it was like well, like I suppose if the Queen <laughs> thinks it. that Duterte is is a cool guy, then logically he must be right. Yeah. Um. And all the premises that this is based on. Anyway, but, sorry. But yeah, so you wild have, tangent. But no, no, not at all. But you have this idea then that in this modern internet age, ideas just spread like wildfire, and they can be changed, and they can grow, and they can branch in different directions. And there's no central sense of authorship of like concept or character. And that's what sort of interests me about stuff like creepy pasta, and in particular Slender Man as like a cornerstone, as perhaps the most What's famous creepy pasta. So creepy pasta is like horror stories that are copied and pasted. So they spread by doing this sort of thing, where they go from one form to another, where somebody finds something they like, they copy it, they paste it somewhere else, and maybe change a couple of words or add a couple of details, and so the story grows and evolves. And there's actually a number of interesting ones. There's ones about how, like for example, the music in Lavender City in Pokemon was designed to drive children to suicide, uh, which is a popular one that spread very well. There are stories from the US Wildlife Service where they're sort of copied and paste about finding mysterious stairs in the middle of nowhere that don't go anywhere and they get copied and spread and sort of shared. There's stuff like, um, it's a Candle Cove, which is this uh, story about a children's entertainment show that people watched but were disturbed to discover didn't actually exist due to the Mandela effect. And that sort of spreads online as well. And, and there's all this sort of stuff that kind of it's it's interesting because it's dynamic and it's changing and it's evolving and it's moving really, really quickly. And it was kind of like why I was drawn to watch Slenderman, having not watched Slenderman before, was because I was kind of interested in the weird collision of this sort of like Internet folklore. You must imagine the Internet is 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 just is, is just like this. I feel <laughs> I, I, I well, I feel that like people my age have 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 a sense of like the internet being this, this this weird place and it's like yeah it can be 
and it is. But and also, it- like, doesn't need to be. No, what, it- what, 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 what I do now is I've got like three browsers, <laughs> and they're very specific. Like one of them, it's all kind of um, like uh, uh, college stuff. And a YouTube channel isn't like linked to any um, Gmail account or anything like that. Gmail account or anything like that. So all of them are like, it's all TED Talks and kind of like people talking about like morning routines and all of this really kind of like positive stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like on uh, on my... um, uh, Second brother? Yeah, yeah. um, Which might be linked linked to to my Google... But, um, it'll, 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 like, like I, I might have wa- watched something to do with, like, mixed martial arts and maybe watched something to do with kind of like, um, uh, like a comedian. But because, um, because of, I think especially because of, like, an interest in martial arts, it assumes what kind of, like, politics you have. Oh, you've talked about all this, that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. Sort of alt-right. Andrew's it does, alt-right yeah. browser. Yeah. Um, but um and what's the third browser for does Darren <laughs> <laughs> Does Darren want to know? We'll leave that up to listeners to determine what the third browser's for. It's all incognito the, it's mode. It's all the research I do for the podcast, Darren. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I, I find this stuff like absolutely fascinating and interesting. So like when a Slender Man movie came out, uh, or when the concept was developed, I was kind of interested in watching it as like that thirty rock sketch about like Steve Buscemi. Where he shows up at school and he's like, how now, fellow kids? Um, and I'm kind of like curious about how that intersection of like horror cinema and conventional studio horror make, because this is made by Sony, is not an A24 production. It's not like The Witch. It's not like Cam on Netflix or Bloomhouse or anything like that. This is very much like a, a major studio conventional teenage horror film. We'll probably talk about yeah, that in a great deal of time. posters and all that stuff for it, weren't there? Yeah, it was a big film and it was dealing with something that was very esoteric very weird but also something very youthful to the point where it will be something that will be a generation younger than i did who engaged with this idea of like online creepypasta slenderman stuff and i was kind of interested in sort of watching that sense of collision particularly on film and then of course there's the element around it the the sort of the aspect that like haunts the narrative where it's it's kind of seedy and trashy and exploitative where i mean you you're familiar with the case from 2014 with the two girls who um, lured one of their friends, a 12-year-old girl, into the woods and stabbed her um, as an offering to Slenderman. This is a real-life case, by the way. The two girls in question, Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyser, lured their friend uh, Peyton Lutner into the war- into the woods and stabbed her repeatedly. I think they stabbed her 15 times and left her for dead. She was found and recovered. But the girls have been sentenced to basically to life in psychiatric care, as you might imagine. But when they're caught, they argue that they were doing it because they were motivated by Slenderman. They'd been watching videos online. Um, It was a very, like, moral panicky case. But it was a moral panic case that was rooted in fact. In that there was no exaggeration by the media. These girls legitimately thought that they were doing this in offering to this fictional character. This happened in 2014, which would be shortly before the film went into production. And caused, like, a minor furore around the film and the production of the film. Um, there are other cases as well, like there's a teen in Florida who set her home on fire, who claimed that she was motivated by the internet stuff as well. Slenderman. Slenderman in particular. And where does, uh, 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 so where does Slenderman come from? Slenderman comes from, and this is... Where, in, like, um, for, I guess before we... Before talk about we the film. <laughs> in any talk real about the film too much. Like, yeah. should, um, 
Well, um, a beginner's guide to Slenderman. Well, well, like, do we, do we, do we talk a little bit first about like uh, whether whether we think this belongs in the bottom one hundred, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, jazz? well, we'll do that before we jump into the spoiler zone because it seems like we've sort of spent a lot of time beforehand getting in there. So yeah, so Andrew. Do you think that this movie belongs... Oh, on- my God. <laughs> I suppose we had that whole thing about the yeah. tangents Andrew's, do Andrew's add a lot looked, of time. Yeah. And <laughs> just looked at the time. So, Andrew... You poor listeners. What have we done? Yeah. Andrew, do you think that Slenderman belongs on the list of the bottom 100 movies ever made? No, I'm, I'm kind of having a difficult time getting a hold on kind of... Why movies are on the bottom one one hundred? We we watched Open House, which I guess is similar in some ways to this, and it's um, also similar placement as well. This is fifty seven. That's fifty five. Yeah. So like, um, uh, similarly, um, I thought, I thought like parts of Open House. I think a lot of this movie were 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 quite good. I thought. Like uh, the 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 um, it's quite atmospheric, I, particularly in its yeah, opening stages. But um, it does have serious problems. Well, it, it, it's just it, it's not it's not very good. Yes. Um. So, but it's not like terrible. I don't. I just don't think it's it's just not effective at doing what I think it's supposed to be trying to do. Yeah. Which it's not that it's like abhorrent or yeah. or anything. I've I mean, like, you you could argue it's abhorrent. Given the the, the context the, involving the, the, case the kind of the context, girls, yeah. but it, it it's a movie. You're um, maybe it's being downvoted for that reason. I don't know. I mean, maybe Darren will be able to tell us. Yeah. But um, we, so I wouldn't put it on my bottom one hundred either. I I thought it was a lot uh, quite good in a lot of ways. I guess I'll I'll talk about because I think like for uh, most of the movie. As I was watching it, I was writing down things that I liked about it. Yeah, but it like gets to a point where it it's yeah. Without getting too spoilery, it it's a it's a. I was surprised. Sorry, where it sort of it does go off the deep end. I think a bit towards the end would be my assessment, and not in a way that you want it no, to. No, no, um, it becomes um, a much more conventional film in many ways, and kind of boring. Yeah, that's the, like I was surprised that uh, I think you told me, oh, don't worry, Andrew, it's only eighty minutes. Yeah. It felt much longer. <laughs> um, anyway, House- I'm not saying that as a joke. No. I was like shocked <laughs> that this movie was so short because, like, you think about a movie being 80 minutes and oh, fantastic! Clip, 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 Great. Clip, yeah, yeah. This will be over in no time. <laughs> and it, somehow- but it just seemed to like go on far too long. Yeah. And it's weird because so much of that is like atmospheric establishing shots. We won't talk too much about it, but it's like. It's it's for like a film that's like I think it's maybe closer to ninety minutes long to be fair, but it's still like under an hour and a half, which is and, a very short time in terms of modern movie making. Oh yeah, and it's it's just it's barely a motion picture. Yeah, I think you've described it seventy five. Is I believe it is. I believe it's seventy five minutes in order to classify as a motion picture. Um, but yeah, I would. Sorry, ag- not motion picture. What am I saying? <laughs> feature length. I've done. I've said that a number of times on the podcast. We do not have a corrections and omissions <laughs> section. It would be as long as the podcast it in would some be. cases. But no, I, I would agree with those assessments generally in that it's 
it's not among the 10 worst films I've seen this year, if we're no. being entirely honest. And you, I, you see every movie. The, <laughs> the, these are for the movies that a lot of people saw and did not care for. Yeah. And I mean, like, I would argue that even, say, Fantastic Beasts, Crime of Grindelwald, Crimes of Grindelwald is probably worse than this, if we're being yeah. honest. But there's so many people who are going to love that. Yeah, that it's never going to make like, a list like this. Yeah. And it's fair. And it's my own personal taste and taste. The, pr- the problem with this movie is that its audience aren't going to like it. Yes. Yeah. And I think As that's I, maybe I, why they turned on yeah, it. Yeah. Crimes of Grindelwald, the audience are, are, are going to eat it up because they want, like, lots yeah. of Potter. Well, that's it exactly. Like, I've described Crimes of Grindelwald as the movie for people who love the appendices to Lord of the Rings. Um, and that's a very much exactly what it is, but it's not what I want from a motion picture. Um, this, on the other hand, yeah, I think you're right in that, like, I think that it doesn't necessarily work especially well as a conventional horror movie, uh, which isn't bad when it's trying to do something more interesting than that, but which is a problem when it tries to do that, when it tries to be a standard teen horror movie and just doesn't work. The the ending, as you described, is very conventional, but there's a lot of really bad CGI at times in it as well, which really like knocks it out when it as compared to I when it's, it's doing sh- some It's a shame because so much so much of the movie was very promising, I thought. Yeah, it's very good. It's sort of it has a lot of that's kind of and it's insp- like the character is inspired by Lovecraft and Stephen King, but it has a lot of that like weird American wilderness feel to it, like small town haunted by something unspeakable, which I quite like in a horror movie. Yeah, and it has like a, lots of that at the start, and then it just becomes something much more standard. Um, but I guess then, so would you recommend that people watch it before we jump into the spoiler zone? Um. No, and it's a shame yeah. because, like I say, there is there is a lot to recommend about this. It just doesn't really do very much. Like once it's kind of assured you that you're in good hands, you're thinking like, like, and and it, I I had a thought when 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 watching it. Oh, this must get very bad in the in the f- final third. third didn't even get bad it just didn't do much it didn't um kind of um and 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 i don't think it's a spoiler to reveal that like this is a horror movie so the thing that you're hoping for it to do in the final third is to scare you yeah and it and it doesn't and that's kind of just a failure of it i mean it's it's it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make it like um like i i can't imagine why somebody would hate it and presumably a lot of people hate this. I can imagine quite clearly why people would hate it. I think you suggest a lot of it with the tastelessness after that stabbing. I and mean, in fact, like, there are stories about it being cut. And in fact, if you watch the trailer to the film, you can see lots of moments that were cut. And in fact, we'll talk maybe about one of them in the spoiler zone. It's very clear. Maybe that's what... Maybe actually there... Maybe that's the problem in that there is a give and take. As in, you could have made a really scary terrifying disgusting movie that that's 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 Rashi genuinely um abhorrent yeah. and 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 a horrible kind of um piece of art yeah but the, but the, but that that would have been yeah. like this kind of like thing that um kind of teens would kind of you know uh want to seek out, want, out of like yeah yeah curiosity. exactly yeah. And and I, like like I feel um, this is much more middle of the road. This is very yeah, safe. Kind of got caught between with. two. Yeah, that's it. Sort of caught between two stools almost. And I think that there's also an element of like again, this is the Internet Movie Database's list. It's a it's a digitally native list. It's voted on by people who are on the internet and who are on the internet a lot. 
And I suspect a lot of people who would have like associations with the Slenderman mythos would have looked at this and seen this as, I don't want to say a crass commercialization of the character, but like a neutering of the character, like an yeah. attempt to render the character as a Maybe that was done out of sensitivity. Yeah, well, I suspect so. Like, it's, again, this famously spent a lot of time in the editing booth after the controversy around the two girls and the stabbing. In that it could was... have had some like horrific stuff in this movie that yeah. would have been very reminiscent of, of, of that. things that actually happened. Yeah, and, and there is stuff in there that is reminiscent, but it's handled in a way where it's not the focus in the way that it should be, if that makes sense. Like the narrative weight feels off. But we're going to jump into the spoiler zone and talk about it in a bit more depth. Spoiler zone. So, Andrew... What is Slenderman about for you? So I was not familiar with Slenderman. Um, and watching it, it seemed to be about stuff that I didn't get. So I, 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 I think you've already kind of alluded to it before the spoiler zone in this, um, what I like to call the second orality. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of weird pasta sort of, you know, copy and paste. Yeah. Oh, okay. Where... I'll, 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 I'll jump, I'll jump in here. What, like, <laughs> again, and, if, and again, I feel bad because it was like, this was my idea. This is entirely on yeah, me. I, I, but so... uh, like, since, since, and then I'm like, justify since, this. Since Andrew. I don't have an answer to that question yeah. and you've already answered it, I, 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 I will talk a bit more about what I liked about the movie. Cause it, I, I, like w- watching it at the beginning, I was thinking, this is kind of sweet. This feels genuine. It feels authentic. It's portrayed like a small the, town with the like establishing shots the, and like the characters the, in it. Everybody, every everybody is really kind of like um, lovely, and you care about them. The movie looks very good. Um, it looks very stylish. It has that nice sort of like Fincher sheen with digital photography, yeah. where everything looks clean and clear, the which is good cr- for color grading. Yeah. Is, is great. The light is great. The the darkness, the kind of like smoke. Um, yeah. The 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 all and, the characters feel kind of believable and likable. Yeah, I thought, and then I and I, I oh, it's just not very scary. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that was that, that was kind of my main my main takeaway. So because the, the the um which was the kind of disappointment really in that, but it's not such a great disappointment because it's not like they really kind of butchered it. It's just that they didn't really they didn't make a strong choice, I guess, in one way or the other. Like this is this is perhaps <clears throat> the thing that's kind of interesting for me is that like. The Slenderman, the idea of the Slenderman is is interesting, right? So just a little bit of history to provide Andrew with a sense of context. Oh, sorry. W- one other thing that I appreciated about it is having just watched Halloween, it didn't uh, it didn't sexualize the Teen it, teens. Um, like there was some, there was like a, there was like one kind of like makeout sesh that seemed to be like as if it was going to, but there, it, it never seemed like lascivious. Yeah. And it very quickly becomes a source of horror of itself, yeah. which is uh, kind of interesting. Um, I did find it interesting that they called him like Abercrombie Tom, when surely you'd like call him like, um, I don't know, is there not like a famous Tom design person that you could call him? What do you mean, Tom Ford? Yeah, or something like that. I suppose kids. Darren's... I feel so old. Tom Ford... They're talking about the kind of style that Abercrombie and Fitch 
um models and kind of uh wear and they they, 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 they that's a particular kind of preppy look all right tom ford wouldn't have made any sense do you mean tom hilfiger tommy hilfiger there we go right okay. like could you not that have might have made tommy slightly hilfiger? more sense but less okay fine still anyway but yeah so this this is the the interesting thing about you're, this you're angry that you weren't um, taken <laughs> in to rewrite this yeah i mean come on i'm all the think of all the wordplay opportunities that you would have had here because, like, one of the interesting... Slenderman would have talked in it, wouldn't he? Oh, and he would have had, like, really great one-liners, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in, like, um, you know, Batman and Robin. It would have been like, oh, this is tree-exciting. Um, people... I need to branch out more. Um, people read your books, you. Darren. <laughs> and, and your website. And listen to your podcast. And somehow don't bring me in to rewrite Slenderman when it needs a rewrite. God damn it. Um... Yeah, the movie was apparently so troubled that apparently the producers tried to sell it to another studio other than Sony in order to get it released because they felt like it was getting buried in the release cycle and it kind of was. But here's the thing, like the thing about Slenderman that's interesting, the thing about digital folklore that's interesting is that unlike like oral traditions and legends like vampires and werewolves and stuff like that, you can actually literally trace... Th- spooky. Spooky. And of course, it's early December like, when I, we're doing a spooky like, episode. I hope... I, like, I wish we could have done this for... Could we have done this conceivably for... Um, I mean, I'm very happy with our... Uh, Science with of Lambs our, episode. Um, with Science Bernie of Lambs episode, obviously. This would have been such such a rubbish <laughs> Halloween, um, special. Halloween special. I actually, I'm half tempted next year to, and this is again, listeners, if you have any strong feelings about this, feel free to tweet at us and let us know. I am half tempted to do like a bunch of terrible horror movies off the bottom 100 next October yeah. and turn it into like the human centipede I, I think season. Like, like the Christmas episodes, the Halloween, which is coming in two weeks. The Halloween episodes are getting further and further from the brief. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so yeah. like uh, that's if, it. if we keep to the top two fifty, like next year will be seven. Which <laughs> I'm what convinced a terrible isn't world that a would be. A horror movie. Horror movie. Or certainly not a Halloween movie. This would have been more like a Halloween movie yeah. to you. Oh totally. But one of the things that's interesting about like the idea of like digital folklore is that you can trace it back to a particular route. So you can actually go back and you can see where characters like Slenderman originated. And like Slenderman as a character for, it was first created in 2009 on something awful. And it was literally just, it was a competition to edit some photos and make them creepy. And what a lot of people were doing, and you can find, I'll include some photos in the show notes, people were doing like ghost dinosaurs in the background of family photos and stuff like that. But this guy, Victor Surge, who gets credited as a creator of Slenderman on the film, whose real name is Eric Knudsen, he did two photos which like immediately sort of seized the, the imagination of the forum in question. Um, and he captioned them as well. And this is like the origin of Slenderman can be traced down to like a hundred words on something awful in 2009 saying there's a picture of him leading children into the wilderness saying we didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them, but it's persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. Credited 1983 photographer unknown presumed dead. And another one has a has a, another site of like the Slender Man welcoming children into its arms. One of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library Blaze, notable for being taken the day on which fourteen children vanished, and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformities cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. Nineteen eighty six. Photographer Mary Thomas, missing since june thirteenth, nineteen eighty six. 
And that's the origin of the character. And he very quickly sort of spread across the internet. He popped up on, he went from something awful to 4chan, 4chan to YouTube, and then from YouTube to like augmented reality games and stuff like that. And what's kind of interesting about this... So lost. Um, I know, this is all the kids and the hip stuff and the happening. But what's interesting about this is it took nine years for Hollywood to latch on to the idea of making a Slenderman movie. 2009 between 2018. Say eight years if they filmed it. Sorry, in, sorry, if they filmed it in 2017, right? There, my maths checks out. They film and release this in real time. Um, yeah, I we're watching... like nine years later, they started recording <laughs> and then 80 minutes later, <laughs> released it. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Is that fun? <laughs> no, okay. But yeah, this would have been like, yes, yeah, so it would have been filmed and released say, eight years after the character originally appeared. But eight years is a really long time on the internet. And so like by the time they'd released this, the internet had moved on well past Slenderman. Like I think it, it like it, I don't think it would mean anything to me if yeah. they had made it immediately. Yeah. I think like I was aware of there being something called the Slenderman. I had heard it referenced, but I just didn't know what it was. I knew it was something spooky. <laughs> Ghoulish. But yeah, it's macabre. A, but that, but I think though, like you and I aren't the target audience. It's really depressing when we're watching the movie and there's a character with the Skype name or the chat name Alley Cat ninety three, right. and you realize that's her birth date, right? Yeah. Which is you know, and not only is that her birth date, she's meant to be an older, wiser character. That in makes this, her fifteen, right? <laughs> in in this version no. of the film. Yeah. <laughs> His maths checks out, people. Um, but in this version of the film, she's like that old person who lives in a house who has stories about her encounter with the monster. And I feel so old that in this version of the film, the wise old hand was born in 1993. Yeah. Um, I feel so He's... depressingly old. Yeah, the... Um, the... <laughs> Person in 1993 is the um, uh, Marta to their race. <laughs> yeah, that's getting too old for this. Old for yeah. this. <laughs> but um, here's the thing, though. Like, and the Slender Man, and again, there's a sense the internet has moved on too much. They've already, like, the internet has already started, like, memeing him and mocking him. He has two brothers called Trender Man, who wears, like, a cardigan sweater and just, like, hangs out at really cool spots and then disappears because he knows that they were cool before they were cool. And his older brother, Splendor Man, who wears, like, a brightly coloured frock <laughs> and dances with kids in a completely wholesome way. Um, that He also has, like... Since about 2017, there's slash fiction uh, pairing him with Jeff the Killer. He has a My Little... Jeff the Killer? Jeff the Killer is another sort of mimetic character. Um, There's a My Little Pony version. Bubble Girl. Yeah, (laughs) there's like My Little Pony version of Splendor Man as well. Like, the idea is that like Splendor Man has gone from being like an internet urban legend to being an internet joke. And the film was so slow that it missed all of this. I mean, there's an excellent argument. I, 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 I'm not surprised. Yeah. Because like, trying to explain this crap <laughs> yeah. to like, a Hollywood executive. <laughs> I was like, well, what else are we going to do? We're Sony. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> we have to make a horror movie, right? We have, to, like, we have to do something cheap. 
Um, Shira Chess has argued that like this is because this is the thing about the internet. And I've, I'd, like I find the internet absolutely fascinating as a concept. It moves so incredibly quickly and so incredibly fast, and everything just keeps moving and keeps changing. And you get so much information coming at you so quickly, and everything's taken up and changed and altered and rewritten and reworked and reinvented like at such a tremendous pace that it's impossible for anybody to keep up with it. Um, the writer Shira Ch- Chess, who's written a book about Splendor Man, has pointed out that like. All this stuff happens with werewolves and vampires. Like, think of, like, um, think of, for example, Teen Wolf. Or think of Dracula dead and loving. Or even think of Twilight, where, like, the vampires are reimagined as this sort of, like, loving figure. As this sort of romantic bad boyfriend figure. Um, And all that stuff happens with vampires, but it happened over hundreds of years. It happened over roughly a century with vampires. Between Dracula... And then you started getting, like, proper sexy vampires with Anne Rice, where they're like, you know, like Dracula always had an element of sex to it, but then it becomes explicit. And then in Twilight, it becomes, like, a sexualized, romanticized boyfriend figure. Whereas with... slower. Whereas we're a sexy, romanticized, sexualized figure. Oh, um, baby. 2.50 after dark, baby. Yeah, um, recorded in Darren's room. Just That's the, the joy of it just being the two <laughs> of us. We can record in the bedroom and nobody can judge. Recording in the bedroom would creep out most people. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, people are just not comfortable with themselves. But the idea is the internet moves so fast that, like, Splendor Man manages to cram in, like, 100 years of what would happen with a regular story into the space of like under a decade. So when Hollywood finally gets around to making a movie, it seems woefully out of date. We come back to that image of Steve Buscemi with a skateboard slung over his shoulder saying, how now fellow kids, basically (laughs) like trying to seem cool and hip and with it. And this is what I find absolutely fascinating about like the movie. Cause the movies, it's not a good movie, but it's an interesting movie. And it's an interesting movie because there's like two big, ideas that seem to be at odds within the heart of it one of them is a movie that's very specific to the idea of the slender man and what makes the slender man effective as a monster like what makes the, the slender shared and, that's it, and yeah. being mimetic and being viral and being infectious and what makes it a very like 21st century idea of a monster right um and that's that's one part of the movie and the other part of the movie is standard scene teen slasher movie template 101 where you have all the rhythms and beats and structures of the film that you expect in a movie like this um it's really not that like uh terrifying that's like i don't mind uh, uh, based on this movie I'm not so, like, uh, against being taken by Slenderman. He seems like a very charming fellow. Yeah, Um, like, what happens? Yeah, he holds you a little bit. He he seems to, like, he's really into tactile. And, I mean, he doesn't have eyes, so how else is he supposed to? a tree as well. (laughs) Which is very pagan. so nice. Are we back to my neighbour Totoro here? (laughs) Is that, is, like, what's better? Being, being a, a big, strong... Um, tree, tree with no emotions, no heart, no personality, being no a human being. <laughs> a being human being, being meat, meat, bean juice, human Whoa. bean juice. Um, yes, Anxiety. depression, <laughs> illness, violence, suffering. Yeah. What? Well, although maybe maybe those Dutch elms um... <laughs> have, have those diseases as well. Yeah, maybe the... they feel bad. But this is the thing, because, like, Slenderman, like, one of the things, and I think the film captures this quite well, and what makes him an internet-friendly monster is... 
is the idea or the internet's friendly monster um is the idea that like sharing him is how he spreads is that it's not the monster himself that's dangerous it's the idea of the monster himself that's dangerous. Well, isn't it that the idea primes people? Yes. Uh, for the monster. And rewrites their, their brain or whatever in such yeah. a way as to it make it... Be a, able, it, it, it He the, wouldn't be able to manifest or yeah. whatever. Um, and, and that's kind of interesting in a way. Because he has some like um, separate metaphysical like existence. But the, that the... Idea um, draws. That the idea into. kind of... Yeah, makes it possible for for him to kind of capture or go after or these. Do you think individual this people? is some sort of irrealism, like some <laughs> I, I I idealistic notion that like um, things become real um, when through, we imagine them through our minds? I as as he is percipi, say <laughs> pipe, say napalm pipe. Um, to to be is to be perceived. I think like that's the thing is that I think that. What makes him a great internet movie monster? There's also more Latin on these <laughs> ones, where it's just the two of us. Yeah, um, it's much more accessible. It's it's or we go we get a bit more sort of we widen out and we sort of cast a wide net. But I I think that there is of course like, of course of course we know Latin because we are the very model of a modern major general. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, but I find that interesting. Like I think that's what makes him a great internet monster is that he captures that sense of unreality. Right. That we associate with the internet. And the idea that ideas are fundamentally... Like, because this is the thing. Horror movies reflect their eras. Even bad horror movies reflect their eras. I mean, like, you know... We open can House. Yeah, we talked about Open House as a subprime mortgage thing and dealing with race and stuff like that in the background. And yeah. all this anxiety about, like, having a home that's not your own and being poor. Financial horror. Yeah. And I think that the Slender Man... Check your income statement. Like, and we talked about, like, when I talked about Creepypasta, I talked about Candle Cove as one of those. And Candle Cove is a horror story that taps into your fear that your memory is fungible and, like, is imperfect. And that when your memory brushes up against the idea of a world where everything's recorded and your memory doesn't match that, does that mean that you're insane? Which is a terrifying concept because we all have things at the Mandela effect. We all have things that we remember happening that didn't actually happen. And, it's and so satisfying when you realize that something you remember happening did happen. Yeah. You're like, like when the universe gives you <laughs> a kind of validation, sign. it's like, oh, Sharky and George actually exist. There, Thank uh, there is a. a, a the uh, <laughs> when when you're trying to show somebody the start <laughs> yeah. of a cartoon where it's like, oh, you must remember this, yeah, and it's not there, yeah, it's that, not on YouTube. <laughs> that's what Candle Cove is. That's the like the basic existential fear at the heart of Candle Cove, and the Slender Man. And this is like this is one of the things where Darren reads far too much into things. So feel free to tell me to shut up. But Slender Man taps into the idea. That ideas themselves are dangerous um, and sort of viral and infectious and they corrupt us. And that what goes on in our heads and what we put into our heads can warp us and change us and disfigure us. Now, this is obviously not a new idea. It's not even a new idea in horror. There's precedence in, for example, Lovecraft, where the idea of, like, becoming aware of things makes you insane. Or Robert Chambers' like The King in Yellow, which was a book about a book that if you read it would drive you insane. Um, and the Slender Man is an extrapolation of that to the internet age, where you are just constantly bombarded with stimuli and information. And there's actually one of the parts of the movie that I really like is the bit where Ren goes down the rabbit hole and becomes Darren. 
where she's sort of browsing on the internet and she jumps like from one idea to another like where she's following those hyperlinks she's doing like the wiki wormhole effect right. where it's like where she's going where all of a sudden she's investigating slender man and she ends up on bioelectric signals and stuff like that and how the disruption to those can mess with it's, your mind it's terrible when you've discovered the 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 truth or, uh, about something or when you feel very close in your uh, sorry very close to the truth in 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 your mind or have a great sense of like clarity of purpose and vision but um but you're actually having a psychotic <laughs> episode yeah it's terrible because trying to explain to people how how important this new tag that you've taken is and how it's the real you um and 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 how people need to understand yeah um it's it's difficult it is it's terrifying and i mean and like i think that that gets at a very basic fear of the internet age and i mean this is something that you and i have sort of talked about i'm not sure it's something that we want to talk about too much on this particular podcast but we are living in a world where regardless of whether or not they are and whether or not there are ways around it there's an increased anxiety around the idea that ideas themselves are fundamentally dangerous that the idea that like it's kind of uh, like uh, i yeah I, I guess we have talked about it i think we disagree uh, about it a bit um I, I mean like i don't think the ideas themselves are dangerous i think normalizing the ideas in conversation is dangerous but stuff like we're talking about stuff about the spread of like right-wing extremism and stuff the stuff that we talked about earlier where people were sharing links to stories <clears throat> that are obviously untrue but that spread like wildfire and sort of become validation and serve as like buttresses for be- ideas and beliefs that are are if we're being frank, I would argue are dangerous right. and scary and terrifying. I I think I think skepticism is healthy. Yeah, and I think that should be inculcated. I th- I I I think it's possible when 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 um, there is a kind of like an an uneducated like uh, population or a um, what's the word kind of uh, or. Um, unscrupulous um actors trying to uh, manipulate people's thoughts i think we're lucky in this country to not have too many of those sorts of of influences, of influences. but you see it in so many like like i was just talk- like i was talking about earlier about about like the infiltration of all of these kind of horrible kind of um views about uh, uh, about things kind of like prey preying on the simple minded and sort of spreading and getting shared and through sharing being normalized. And like, I mean, I, th- it does feel like a bit of a stretch to treat Slenderman as a metaphor for like the Brexit. spread of, for Brexit <laughs> or Trumpism or racism on the internet. I think there's an element of, I don't think that's an, like, it's, I don't think it's too much of a read to sort of see it in that way. And it's like, the thing about it is that like, uh, Sl- Sl- Slenderman isn't nearly as um, uh, terrifying yes. as as any of these things in the real world. Yeah, I want Slenderman to like, um, you know, I want this to be an 18s movie. Yeah, and for 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 there to be proper kind of like this feels very small like the cast of this movie is tiny yeah and and, and it feels very cheap as well like it looks great the polish on it's fantastic oh no, it looks but fantastic th- but there are moments when 
the effect on the camera is they zoom down a hallway to make the holiday, the hallway seem longer, or they use really questionable digital effects to like show the warping of reality. I don't it. think that stuff was okay. that bad. Okay, I, the I, one thing I thought was not good was like Slenderman we don't, we don't want yeah we don't want to see much of Slenderman. Yeah, they, when when he's kind of like wobbling about a bit, <laughs> like like Mister Soft. <laughs> like kind of going towards her and yeah. like, Mr. Soft uh, Slenderman there are a number like uh, Slenderman actually works quite well in sequences where he's in the background of shots and he's moving yeah. he works less well where he's the focus of shots or where he needs to look like he's photoshopped into an old photo that's it exactly yeah. and I mean there's a there's a moment like there's a number of moments and it's the same scare over and over again and it really I really hate this scare not because it scares me but because it's so cliche and because you know it's coming where the camera will follow a character's gaze and pan to the left or the right and then when the character turns around having assumed that they've just checked for where the scary thing should be the camera moves back to show space that you had seen a moment ago and oh my god Slenderman standing right there right. there's a number of scares that work like that I think there's one in the hospital there's one in the woods later on and it's just like it's just so cliche if particularly if you've watched horror movies you get used to the rhythm of them it's like as soon as the camera moves to explore the darkness at a certain space you know that that darkness will be empty the camera will move back to something that you had seen a moment ago and there'll be something there waiting and that that doesn't really work and like it feels like with with a kind of like a sony movie like this i just imagine there must be kind of um you know, students or people experimenting in um, in cinema who found ways of scaring people yeah. that haven't been done. Like in it, maybe that's me being kind of like overly kind of hopeful. But you would just think that 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 there must be somebody like this, you can they, give this to. Yeah, because wouldn't. like there's new dimensions to this. They're using smartphones. They have this feature on it that's now available on all Sony smartphones. <laughs> where Which I will, love that, by the way, that there's where a shot where show, um, it's like a, a selfie, but it's not. It's it. It's not the phone kind of taking a picture of you is Slenderman looking at you from a distance As slowly getting towards. closer. And it's, by the way, that it conceptually is a great scare, but it doesn't work in practice. It doesn't. And part of that because, is... Like, I wanted to kind of, like, pay off. It's like, what is... what? You're go- like like I haven't seen anything like this before. Yeah. What is it going to kind of like conclude? And you to? have like a really clever thing where they're looking at them, and you kind of get a couple of shots where you can see them in the window from outside, but where they're going to be looking at the phone and on the phone looking at themselves. Yeah, and it never builds there, to a moment like that. Because there's a great thing about that because either there's something scary is going to happen on the phone when they're not looking at the phone. Yeah. And then that's going to um, uh, shock them or vice versa. Yeah, something will happen on the phone. Something will happen in the real world while they're looking at the phone. Like, it's a device that seems designed to generate tension, but it's used in a way that absolutely doesn't. They should be looking at the phone and then look up and back. Yeah. Or and, and and it would it, it, like it would seem that or it looking at really each other well. and then have something happen on the phone. It's, it's just kind of ham fisted, which is a shame, as as they say, because just like a, a, a lot kind of seems to be done well in this movie. Or yeah, and 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 this is the thing is that this is the tension I was talking about because you have this wonderful idea of like Slender Man 
as an idea as a monster rather than as like a physical monster. And this is something that I love. Like Doctor Who does it quite well. Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who comes back repeatedly the idea of monsters that are actually ideas of monsters, which is very sort of, it's a very self-aware, very modern concept. It's the idea of if you imagine a monster, is that monster therefore made real because he manifests in your mind? And does that make it as real as him actually existing? The answer is no. But still, it's a very effective dramatic premise. But you have like... All this stuff that we talked about with the standard horror beats, but also, like, the way the story's told. There's a lot of interesting stuff early on with that, and I, and I suspect this is something that may have been lost in the edit or in rewrites following the case with the two girls. But there's a lot of really creepy unsettling stuff in the small town early on, where it's suggested that, like, Slender Man might be the manifestation of something simmering beneath the surface. Like, you have, for example, the drunken father you know, of the girl who disappeared. And right. the implication that there might be something sort of happening there. You have Mr. him breaking... Mr. Jensen. You have him breaking into the girl's house and saying, you know, she never used to be like that. You know, you got her into this occult stuff. You have, like, later on, you have, like, Tom shows up and he's got bruises on his hand, which are, like, si- bruises on his arm, which are signifiers not only of Slenderman's premise, uh, present, but also of abuse. Like, they're markers of abuse. You have this recurring motif with teenage pregnancy, this fear of teenage pregnancy that runs through the film. There's a conversation early on with the parents, with Ren's parents, or sorry, is it not, it's not Ren's, it's the other girl's parents. It's uh, Hallie's. Hallie's parents, where they're talking about how one of the girls at track meet got pregnant and how she had to drop out. And then later on, you have this shot of, of Hallie herself with a belly that's infected and growing and stuff simmering and sort of bursting through it in a way that's deeply unsettling and creepy. But it's never really tied back to anything. You even have the scene where like Ren offers Hallie's sister to Slenderman as an offering. And that feels like something that was edited down significantly based on the real life case because that's what the real life case was it was a teenage girl offering they wanted to move into they wanted to live in the woods with Slenderman, and they thought that if they killed this 12 year old girl that he would manifest and they would be able to go with him to live with him right um and and that's what happened in the real life case and there's a sense the movie is you sort know, of some, gesturing at that some people don't believe in slender man <laughs> some people but they'd be wrong, Andrew. Yeah. Um, well, no, actually... The, one, one, one thing that I thought was quite good, though, it was kind of la- later on in the movie, and again, it was nothing to do with it being being, being scary, but, I, uh, but something that I thought was very good was the uh, conversations between um, Hallie and Ren, Ren yeah. when Ren is trying to, is, is, is kind of saying to Hallie, I don't think you appreciate the gravity of the situation. Because <laughs> yeah. it, it's like, um, cause, uh, it's, it's, it's really very good. Hallie, Hallie is saying, um, oh, um, I'm actually meeting, uh, Tom, Tom tonight. <laughs> when like, uh, Ren is telling her, we have to stop this slender man. <laughs> I'm actually meeting Tom tonight. <laughs> and, and Ren is like Tom, and then Holly is like, "What's wrong with Tom?" And she says, "Who gives a <laughs> about Tom?" <laughs> Which I really, I really Which is amazing. I, it's really good. And and then later in the same conversation, it's like, "Oh yeah, oh, I I didn't I've think you track. yeah I didn't think you cared about track. I thought you cared about Chloe." And like this is the thing, like it's it's ridiculous and absurd, but it kind She's of like, works track. as a 
track it works it works as a metaphor as well because it's very clear you could almost play this as like a metaphor for girls growing apart or even teenagers growing apart where ren has this very keen interest in this one thing that she's fixated on she's become engaged with internet subculture she's into memes she likes going on reddit whereas hallie's like like, hey like doing like sports and dating boys What's wrong with you? Oh my god, I am the Ren of this podcast, aren't I, Andrew? <laughs> and you're the Hallie. Um, but yeah, this is very much like because and oh, I like that. <laughs> and I feel like Hallie's that- cool. Like the the four uh, girls, girls are are each kind of like cool. You you um and kind of interesting. I found my 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 myself. They seem like proper kind of. The the uh, like watching kind of like seventies and eighties slasher kind movies, of, uh, teen horror movies. Where, um, they seem so kind of like vacuous and um, just like get to the stabby bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where um where they're either kind of like nerds or they're uh, sluts or yeah, jocks or yeah, like they have. Yeah. And again, you that the, that attire uh, of the football jacket, like yeah, which is uh, inseparable from horror. people movies. seem like kind of like sensitive, intelligent, kind of um, relatively nuanced, not necessarily yeah. just one thing sort of people. Exactly, which is which is interesting. And like, I I think there is something there. And I think that like there is like, an. I would like to talk to these people. They see, see like like. You often kind of just put these insufferable people in, in movies, movies because so you, you know you're going to be killing them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the thing is that like I think that like there's an again there's a lot of there's almost two better movies bre- waiting to break out of out of Slender Man and that's you get in that scene between Ren and and Hallie you get one of them which is the scene which which is the film about two girls who are growing up who have been friends since childhood who all of a sudden aren't friends because their interests diverge, because one of them discovers boys and likes running track while the other one likes spending time on the internet. And that's a horror story of itself, because, like, as a teenager, what you really fear is being left alone, is being unlovable and forgotten, of losing your friends and being a loser and being abandoned. And there's an aspect of, like, the film where it seems like it might touch on that just a little bit, we but then it doesn't. We have that fear, though. We have that, that reality. reality. That's a fair point. <laughs> Uh, but there is like that aspect of it and it seems like the film's going to go in that direction and then it it doesn't really because the film branches off and follows Hallie who has her own Slenderman experience while Ren is like offering her sister to Slenderman as an offering to save herself which is a decision which gets sort of horribly brushed over and there's a sense Ren that Ren is also dispatched <laughs> rather unceremoniously with CGI through a window S- smashing branches through oh, a window gone yeah that's it and there's like it does feel watching the final third like there was a sledgehammer taken to it because well, like I was think- glad that that like their their ending isn't that bad they just kind of like get absorbed into a tree they scream for a little yeah. bit but like it doesn't seem like in any pain or but think of like um tom like, a lack of pain. think of tom for example like right. the thing is like if you watch the trailer it's very heavily implied and that like he sticks the scalpel through his eye in the trailer um, and that scene is entirely cut from the film, and you get a quick insert of Haley texting him later on. But there's no indication of what actually happened to Tom, despite his interaction with Slenderman. That feels like something that was sort of trimmed and cut. There's a sense that, like, the movie was almost hacked to pieces and put back together. Yeah. It's very, very strange. And I'd like to see more of that... Kind of grizzly, nasty... to pieces sort of... and... <laughs> ...version. <laughs> 
um to 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 see kind of like teams that you've invested in and care about get like terribly stabbing uh, sort of like um scalpels into their eyes yeah because there is like there's a nice slicing up eyeballs well that's there's a really interesting like visual motif that runs through of the eyeball because the eyeball is tied to the idea of slenderman as the creature that you you watch the video and you close your eyes and by looking at him you you invoke him or whatever um, and you have then this idea of cutting the eye open and even like the in the trailer, Tom stabbing his eye out. But even beyond that, there's this really nice visual effect that occurs throughout where there are little halos of light around the edge of the frame. Right. Um, and it happens yeah. when characters are like walking under under sort of streetlights and stuff like that, that look almost like the iris of an eye. Because yeah. it creates that sort of like bright little yellow shimmer around lens the flare. Lens flare is what it is. And it's done very well. And it sort of creates the idea of sort of looking at it. I really enjoyed that. Because there's, there's a point where it feels almost like the ring. Where they're like, you watch the video and you summon him. You know, you summon him by watching the video, which is very clever. But it, it then just gets lost in this much more conventional, stereotypical sort of cliché like horror movie where everything is much more conventional and straightforward. Like the film itself is, has this sort of weird. And again, this is something that's interesting about Slenderman for all that he's an internet monster. He's very anchored in ideas of American wilderness that don't necessarily really exist anymore. And they sort of allude to it in the film where Ren is talking about how their friends are going to end up as kids on milk cartons. Which right. is a very weird eighties idea. You don't don't really hear that many stories like that anymore because of the Amber Alerts and stuff like that. It feels like a very eighties fear that's sort of kind of filtered through that lens. But you even have things like the monster lurking in the forest at the edge of town, which is something that like gets at the idea and again, this is Darren going off on a tangent and I apologize for this. But this is I don't apologize for this. This is like the idea of America as a continent that is vast. And wild and untamable. Sorry, I get very excited. That's very like, it can never be controlled and explored. And it has all these dark secrets in it, waiting for the settlers Numerous to arrive. Forests. Yeah, that's it exactly. And and like deserts that stretch. Think of like, for example, like Last House last house on the Left or um, Wrong Turn. or like of it because... You haven't seen it. Or like um, any of those Wes Craven movies, The Hills of Eyes. But the idea of America as a continent that's filled with like monsters that are just waiting to be discovered. And it's really weird that Slenderman is at once like this sort of internet monster in that he seems to like be summoned through cyberspace and through the idea of him. But he's also at the same time tied to the forests. And like you get that really great shot early on where they're walking through the cemetery and it's really atmospheric because it's the girl just staring at the forest on the edge of the cemetery and like almost being drawn into that wilderness. Right. Like ready to be swallowed and consumed by it. Like the opening shot of the Slender Man summoning video that they watch is this but that overhead shot. something incongruous about yeah. the... But I, 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 I suppose it might be that um, the old kind of like oral uh, tradition used used to kind of like spread these um these stories of of Slenderman and then he was gone for like hundreds of years and it's like but, screw you Gutenberg yeah and then, but like in the middle ages he he, he, <laughs> he diversified he, he, he still had forth. a three piece suit yeah. <laughs> like a tie what is going on 
This is the why, thing. Why, why, why does he look like that? Well, there's a whole host. Do you want to hear a whole host of no. theories about? What? Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> no, go ahead. Like one of the one of the interesting arguments about Slenderman is that like while this movie and a lot of the Slenderman lore focuses on him luring children away, which is a very old school sort of uh, anxiety or fear. Um, there's also a sense in which he's a millennial monster in that like a lot of the stuff that would have made him popular like the YouTube series that and the something awful stuff had him targeting and I love this targeting unemployed 20 something men with college degrees in that the entire premise of the Marble Hornets web series which is like a cornerstone of like the Slenderman mythos you can find it online is that like this amateur film studies major who has no career opportunities happening for him afterwards decides to investigate a string of weird internet footage of this character and gets sucked into the world it's been argued that like Slenderman embodies this idea of like an anonymous man who's out there this sort of like corporate entity and like chess who i talked about there who wrote the book on slenderman she's argued that like his his rise around the time of like in the immediate aftermath of the financial crisis and stuff like that is that he's this representative of like a suited upper class of like predatory like hyper-capitalist sort of system that's just willing to exploit people and will target people who are vulnerable and who are just like this embodiment of like suit wearing capitalism. I'm not convinced by that because there's absolutely nothing in the film that supports it. Um, and I don't know if that's a problem with the film not reflecting the character or anything like that. But it's, I can't figure out why he wears a suit beyond the fact suits are scary. And suits are associated with rich people and rich people are scary. Yeah. It's apparently the leap that Jess is making. Tall, thin people are scary. And even tall, thin doctors who are just walking around, minding their business. Yeah. But yeah, there is something sort of like like there there um any person of of um of freakish dimensions is, that, is, is an is, aberration. <laughs> Jesus, Andrew! <laughs> I, yeah, wow, we're going we're going all in on this. Andrew's sort of committing to this. To what were we talking about? Dangerous ideas spreading online. Um, but there is, I find it interesting that like Slenderman, because again, like the guy who created him, we 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 have to get closer. To um to 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 that uh, what's it called um Albacete um kind of average height of, <laughs> of uh, that we sent out into the cosmos because otherwise aliens won't be able to recognize us exactly but I, I do find something interesting in the idea that like Slenderman is like this weird like. 90s certainly not 90s but this old style of like american wilderness <laughs> you're, you're taking all of the Darren Darren Rooney, Rooney, uh, bingo well this is the thing because i'm thinking i was thinking about this because i was talking to um i'm not surprised that you were thinking about this because i'm always Something thinking about this. with the 90s <laughs> yeah the vast expanse <laughs> american, wilderness, american wilderness manifest destiny <laughs> frontier psychiatry but i was talking to <laughs> Talking to Todd uh, Vanderwerf. needs therapy. <laughs> Frontier psychiatry. Um, but I was talking to Todd Vanderwerf, who's a television critic, who's written a book about the X-Files. Um, and we were sort of discussing one of the things that's interesting about the show is that it, in theory, marked the, the end, or it seemed to think that it marked the end of the idea of a weird America. Like, it came out in the 90s, and in the 90s we assumed Mulder and Scully would just go to a small town, discover a secret in the small town, and either they'd defeat the secret or they'd force the secret to run away. 
Right. So, like, you'd have, like, think of, like, you haven't watched the show, but there are episodes like Home, which has, like, an inbred family that lives literally on the edge of town. Mulder and Scully arrive, discover it, and the family just disappears into the wild. You have, like, another episode like Detour where they're venturing off into the wilds of Florida. And they're finding, like, these creatures who've lived there for centuries. And at the end of the episode, those creatures have just run off, you know, to hide because the world is expanding and the world is expanding literally because you're developing, you're building car parks and you're building shopping centers and strip malls, but it's also expanding because you're in the internet. The internet is like making these small towns accessible to people in a way that it wasn't before. Weird Florida um, lizard people are consumed in the opioids (laughs) epidemic. Oh, that's, that's very grim. Thank you for that, Andrew. Um, yeah. and finally, like people are paying attention, attention to, to their them. to their plight. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that there's something interesting in the way that like Slenderman, and I don't think it works in the film, but I think the film sort of gestures at it. Slenderman allows for the idea of this old school American horror. Like there's this really great moment where they go off into the wilderness um, and they do this ritual to summon Slenderman. And the idea is that because they botch the ritual, because Chloe takes off her blindfold, she makes herself vulnerable to him, which is just a classic horror movie trope. The idea is you have to transgress in order to be punished by the monster. They talk about this in like, uh, Cap- have you seen Cabin in the Woods? No. Okay, Cabin in the Woods is great, but they have this whole section where the the characters in a horror movie have to be given a chance to make things right or to not do a bad thing. Right. And when they get that chance, they have to do something that makes that thing worse. Right. And therefore they can be punished for it. And the audience watching the horror movie doesn't feel bad because you'd go, well, I'd never do something that stupid. Yeah, what are and you so, doing, you idiot? Yeah, don't take off the blindfold. It's the one rule. Yeah. Like, and therefore Chloe takes off the blindfold and they all take off the blindfold and they can be punished. And there's something very old fashioned about that. And I kind of like that Slenderman takes that and applies like a way to wed it to the internet and suggests that you can have the internet as something scary and also have this traditional horror movie, like the wilderness is scary, the tree people are horrible, there's tall, creepy things lurking in the overgrowth. But do you think it's an awkward juxtaposition? As well, of, within the film, yeah. Uh, of like all of this internet um, stuff and the kind of um, the wilderness yes. as well. Which is very, like, it, it, it feels like it could work, but it doesn't work, if that makes sense. Speaking of cliched horror movie stuff, they, they did the recursive dream. Um, where she like wakes up from a nightmare, but she's still uh, in a nightmare. She's still in a nightmare, and then wakes up from that. They they did that on um uh, the Mitch and Webb um look was it or what was the name of the TV show? It was um, it was that Mitch and Webb look I think yeah yeah where 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 he he wakes up um and he uh from a nightmare and then realizes he's still in a nightmare. And then eventually, kind of, he's like, "Oh, okay." And then he, he like it, uh, um, uh, turns to his like wife or the woman like sleeping next to him, whose face normally kind of like melts or something. And he just kind of like, "What does he do?" He like gropes her a bit. He's like tits, and then and then like picks up the phone and rings like his his boss and says, "I'm not coming into work today because because I because I, I, I hate work." And I don't like you. <laughs> and then eventually it kind of dawns on him that it's <laughs> not that, a dream. You know, it's not <laughs> a dream. And then eventually his wife's face turns into like this kind of like exorcist looking thing. And he's like, 
Oh, thank God. <laughs> like, he's not scared. He's relieved. I actually, like, again, and this is one of the things where, like, the film seems to, the internet aspect of the film and the, like, conventional horror movie aspect of the film seem to brush up against one another. Because, like, this is on one hand a great thing to do in an internet horror. Because, like, the whole point of the internet is that it's an augmented reality. It fundamentally warps your perception of the world. And you have that, like, with those shots where the zoom makes the corridor seem longer. Or the shots where Ren is in the library and the library seems to rearrange itself physically. Yeah. And stuff like that. And that's like a reasonably clever thing to do in a, a movie about the internet. Because the, the idea is like it rewires your brain and it changes the way that you think. And while that's like literalized here in terms of making you susceptible to the monster, it's also a nice metaphor for like being exposed to ideas out there that maybe warp your thinking. The issue is when you do that in a conventional horror movie, you hit on, you're entirely right, the cliche of the recursive dream or it was only a dream or does it really matter and stuff like that because you're like watching it you're like does it matter if Slenderman catches Ren in the library isn't she just gonna wake up anyway like what's what's the point it, if Slenderman catches them in a dream does it matter do they just wake up or is it as good as being caught in real life What what's the logic here what drives it and does that work very, li- uh, very low stakes it, it, it's it's like there were these four friends and, that, and, now, and now they're gone in, like, a small town in... And, like, are they killed or are they just kind of, like, taken? Disappeared. They're just um, vanished, yeah. it seems. And, 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 and the um, Hallie's... Um, Sister gets a closing monologue as well. Hallie, yeah. And it seems like several years later. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I'm fine, by the way. Yeah. It never yeah. came up, really. Well, I mean, this is, this is the thing. Um, yeah. It, it's is... like, so be careful. Yeah. Because you don't want this to happen again. Because it could <laughs> happen again. Because you're and, watching a movie that's impressing the idea. Of, like, if this were a smarter movie, it would suggest that, like, Slenderman had infected you by watching it. Which yeah. Is, like, and it I seems want, like it's I gesturing want, I want at that to idea. I think that people would, like, that that the the point of this movie would be that they would, like Candyman. Yeah. That it would become this thing that, like, a person would do at, like, an actual sleepover. Yeah. And, and people would, like, dare don't each other. do that! Yeah. And, and, or, like, and the be, Ouija board after the exorcist. terrified. Yeah. That, 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 like, Candyman or Slenderman... Is going to hunt uh, them down. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel like that. I mean... Or that they've, yeah, somehow mess with... um, Forces beyond their understanding. I I imagine because this movie kind of didn't get a very good rating that it didn't have that (laughs) effect on people. And and this is the thing where it's like... And this is it, again, brushing up against the limits of a very conventional cliche horror movie. Because you're wondering, like, where are the parents in all of this? When, like, when Haley goes over... I want to know where the parents were at. <laughs> yeah. That's, Dar- that's yeah, this is... you on the Jerry Springer show. Yeah, um, when they're covering this particular case. Yeah. But, I mean, because th- it's really weird. Because one girl disappears, right? And another girl, Chloe, has clearly gone insane. But Tom is just like, hey, so my uh, my dad's at work and my mom's at a book club. They just left me here all by myself in this small town where kids are disappearing or going insane. Great, yeah, well, huh? They're not parachute parents. <laughs> yeah, they're not helicopters, sort of. They're yeah. not standing over the shoulder. These kids have a fairly good kind of like their grasp on things. <laughs> they're responsible. Like I don't worry about them drinking all that vodka. They seem like they're they're not going to do level any, heads. Yeah, yeah. Because it's all, a- like, uh, what did you get up to? We watched a scary YouTube video, and it's like. How, did you drink some vodka? It's like, Mom, I can't lie to you. We did have some drinks, yeah. But I think it's important as teenagers to push boundaries. And it's like, I love you, daughter. 
<laughs> musical cue in the background. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually like, and again, there's the moment where Helly goes to Ren's house, like, and she's on the warpath after discovering that Ren like gave her sister to Slenderman. Right. And you're like, where the hell are Ren's parents while this is happening? Oh, who was that, honey? Oh, it's it's Helly. She seemed a little agitated. Um, y- you sure that's okay? Ah, that's grand. They'll talk it out. Um, what's going on up there? Uh, nothing. Um, but yeah, I'm just th- very disappointed that James Vanderbeek didn't have anything <laughs> to do with this movie oh, as well. He could have played like a second generation. He should have been one of the parents, actually. Yeah. When I was a kid, we used to just go down the creek and have meaningful conversations about life. Yeah. Um, why are you kids were summoning Slenderman? What the hell's going on here? Oh yeah, the movie ends with uh, with her saying, you know. <laughs> it's a very it's unsatisfying a very movie, sort of, yeah. And it's like, um, yeah. So like, don't don't like uh, watch uh, uh, that stuff on the internet, or yeah, or Slenderman, or maybe this movie uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you my, know, <laughs> my personal like my personal favorite like unambitious Slenderman moment is shortly before that. It's the moment where Helly figures out like what Ren has done with her sister, which like it seems like the most obvious twist in the movie because Ren is at that point literally said, no, you don't understand. You don't have to give him something you love. And Helly's like, look, I got to go get laid. Um, I'm sure this is important. We'll come back to it. I don't know if she's going to get laid there. Okay. I know as a teen that uh, that I, I, I wasn't ready to give my flower. <laughs> like... Um, I, 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 like, I didn't whole, want to presume. It's a whole dance. I didn't, I didn't want to presume whatever, you know, she has agency and we respect that. And I think particularly... I'll do it in my own time, Darren. Okay. But I love that, like, after that, you have, like, what can only be described as a usual suspect's mono, sorry, montage. Where, and it's almost like it's cut so perfectly to the rhythm of the usual suspects that you're waiting for Helly to have a cup of coffee in her hand as she drops it. And you have, like, the entire previous section of the movie play out in, like, really quick motion where it's like, oh my god, Chloe sick oh my god this other girl disappeared oh my god my sister's sick oh my god ren is insane oh my god she's chatting to somebody online but like for a usual suspects montage to work it has to give you information that you recontextualize this just feels like a previously on slender man montage it doesn't feel like it earns the big dramatic reveal at the end where like suddenly Helly's like, wait a minute, I should go and check my sister's uh, computer and see the phone messages that apparently they filmed on it for some reason. Because Ren wants to be implicated in this somehow. I don't know what's going on. Also, really, really bad police force. Really, really terrible local police force. It's like, so girls disappeared to take her laptop. Eh... Well, I, I I don't know what you expect. That's a fair from, from, from a police force dealing with like, like an, um, any... there's a missing girl, and it's like, so what we're doing now is in these situations when there's missing girl, the important thing is to look for the missing girl. <laughs> after um, after that, I suppose it's kind of like put out a few notifications to ask people if they've seen this girl. <laughs> Please give us a call. <laughs> Do you have any leads? No, she is uh, she's missing. <laughs> that would be the point. <laughs> um, yeah, um, uh, we we have a drunk father in custody. No, he's not a suspect. He just broke into someone's house. So I guess this. We film... don't know if it's related. How would we know that? <laughs> but I, I have like, and I love that it's like the laptop is missing, and the teenage girls who broke into the house find it hidden under the floorboards, as if to say the police showed up and were like. Well, the laptop's not here. 
The last thing we should do is look for it. It's and, uh, like like the it's, it's above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no. So I think I think that about what would they do with the laptop once they found it? It's like so. Do you know the password? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> like, what sort of like um, you, you've yeah. been watching too much CSI? <laughs> slow motion montage i uh, that said i do kind of yeah and i imagine that it'd be like well there's a bunch of creepy videos on here but nothing that's actually of any use in yeah, an investigation this, into this a missing doesn't have anything to do with what we're like, <laughs> like our job yeah. to investigate here yeah yeah we're um like generally um these are loners <laughs> um, uh, it's probably a male um yeah but yeah, so I think that sort of about wraps it up when we're talking about Slenderman. But is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? No! <laughs> Absolutely not, um, to quote Andrew. Well, in that case, then, I guess the only thing left to do is, is there anything that you'd like to point people to online if they're listening to this podcast? Something that brings you joy, something that fills you with happiness, something that you'd like to share and bring some goodness into the world. Oh, gosh. Maybe um, something on the internet if we're going with the whole Slenderman theme. Um... Yeah, I saw something that made me laugh. It was uh, kind of dark. Um, it was funny. I'll, I'll show you after the podcast. The um, Big Grande, who have a podcast called The Teacher's Lounge, which is on hiatus at the moment, they were talking about some of their old sketches. So I, ch- I, I checked it out. You can find it on Funny or Die. Oh. If you, if you look up um, uh, Big Grande, um, you should find it. You should also be able to find some of the um sketches themselves if you google big grande funeral big grande table reads um yeah you should be able to find them like that and i'll I'll put them in the show notes as well um in terms of stuff that i'd recommend actually because this is an internet horror and perhaps because you watch this movie or listen to this podcast looking for a good internet horror i would like to recommend cam from bloomhouse it's available on Netflix at the moment, so whether in the US or the UK, you can actually stream it right away. It seems to have got lost a bit in the coverage, perhaps because like Netflix have a big awards fair slate that we've talked about, where they're pushing stuff like The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, or they're pushing Roma yeah. or Outlaw King. And so like a lot of the smaller titles tend to get lost in the in the sort of in the shuffle. Uh Cam is is interesting. It's very much kind of I think what Slenderman is trying to do. It's an internet centric horror story. It's about a Cam girl. Um, who basically discovers that her online persona... Something for daddy. Andrew's going to watch this in his third browser, ladies and gentlemen. But it's it's (laughs) a story about uh, a cam girl who discovers that her account has been stolen, but it's still broadcasting her on it interacting with people, which is very disconcerting, given that she's watching herself in real time on it. And it sort of develops into this weird Hitchcockian thriller about identity, persona... And like what it is to project parts of yourself onto the internet and whether or not you actually own those bits of yourself when they're sent out into the wild. And it's it's interesting. I think it, it isn't perfect. It has some difficulty in its third act, but it's very atmospheric. It's very intense. It's wonderfully directed and has a great lead performance. So I would recommend that if you're I, looking for something sort of you, horror themed on the internet. Are you going to give it a, a like a Podge and Raj review as well when where you say whether it's worth a wank or not? No. 
The answer is no. Thank you, Andrew. The answer uh, is no, you're not going to give it a review. <laughs> no, it's not worth it. Sorry. Andrew seems very invested in like I like that Andrew's like, sure, sure, Hitchcock identity, uh, internet, digital native, all that nonsense. You don't remember that the Podge and Raj, after like a scare bedtime, they, they had a show that wasn't as good. But it okay. had its moments. But oh, was, was this the was... quiz show with uh, Lucy, what's her name? I don't think it was a quiz show, but yes. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I did. It wasn't as good. I miss a scare. It wasn't bedtime. as good. Yeah. Right. I like the scare bedtime, the cautionary tales. I'm going to plug that. I don't know if you can buy it. You can probably Presumably find it. You can, yeah. I think Double Z have it on their YouTube channel at least, or they have excerpts of it. So, in fact, like international listeners might appreciate a scare bedtime as well, particularly because I know Irish listeners will already know what it is. But if you're American or Irish, Our search Irish up, listeners of a certain age might yeah, be aware. May not all know of it already. So, search for a scare at bedtime on YouTube. Um, in terms of the podcast, uh, you can follow us online at Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all over the internet, much like Slenderman himself, hopefully of much higher quality. Um, but next week we'll be back, we'll be covering, uh, with Grace Duffy and Marianne Cassidy, we'll be covering Star Wars as part of our lead up to Christmas. And then the week after that, we'll be back with uh, Phil Bagnell, we'll, we'll be discussing LA Confidential, which is technically a Christmas movie. In the same way that Science of the Lambs is technically a Halloween movie. Scraping the bottom of the barrel. But, I, I, like, we should we should really put, um, like, it's okay that it's released at Christmas. You can <laughs> listen to it the week after. <laughs> LA Confidential will probably be worth listening to. <laughs> Don't let the fact that it's a Christmas episode put you off listening. Yeah, we've discovered that people don't like listening to podcasts on the week of Christmas, according <laughs> to our stats. Either that or we're really terrible at talking about Christmas. But until then, guys, take it easy. Bye. Bye.